We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, it's just me here. Andy is not here. Um, of course, I'm Rob. Uh, we're just going through some, I don't know, uh, opponent previews. Uh, we're going to try and do this weekly. So the first person we got on, of course, is Nathan from the Reno Slant. Um, Nathan, how are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm well, Rob. I appreciate you having me on this week to talk uh, Cal Nevada. And I, I guess Andy was scared of me. He thought I bite, must bite or something. It's It's too bad. It is. It is kind of set. Um, Andy uh, is currently working. Um, he wanted to be on the pod, but uh, I think that's all a. I think that's all a lie. I think he's it's the middle on the of really the pandemic. Long. We're all working from home anyway. We're working virtually. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? <laughs> he's probably on a long lunch break, just uh, thinking about how he doesn't have to ask questions. That's right. That's probably where Andy is. But um, I mean, I guess we can just dive right into it. Um, Cal Nevada just. What is your first overall impressions of the Cal team um, and what you've maybe done some research on uh, leading up to this game on Saturday? Sure. So a couple things, kind of a peek behind the curtain here. I mean, I've, I've covered Nevada really since 2013. I was originally a sports writer up there. I uh, became a sports editor of a small newspaper on the other side of town. I had a radio show, and then we've been doing the Reno Slant for just going on three years now. So I've been covering the team for, oh man, hardly seven or eight years I'm originally from Washington, went to school just outside outside to or outside Seattle. So I've been a UW fan my whole life as well. So I have like two different ways of looking at Cal from the UW perspective. Cal's been a complete pain in our can we cost on this podcast? Yeah. Complete pain in the ass over, over the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, so I, I naturally just have a bit of a of a grievance, annoyance with, with Cal football because they just play really tough defense. You know, the offense isn't going to light up the scoreboard, but it's probably one of the more frustrating offenses to play because they're just methodical. They'll move the ball up, the, up and down the field. They'll play some time possession on you. Then they'll, they'll throw a really good defense out there, and it limits possessions and makes you have to be really, really efficient. 
And when you look at, you know, Saturday, Nevada wants to play a very different type of game. Nevada wants to get up and down. They want to move the ball. They want to have short possessions. They want to maximize possessions. So you have kind of contrasting styles there. And I put this in the Q&A thing we did that's going to go on the website as well. I don't know if that's a spoiler if I ruin that. But (laughs) basically, if the game goes, being in Nevada, we talk about sports betting a lot. I think the total is 52 and a half here. If the game goes Mm -hmm. over, I like Nevada's chances. If the game goes under, I like Cal's chances because it speaks to what type of game we're going to see on Saturday. Is it going to be up and down because that plays into Nevada's hands and into Cal's kind of weakness? Or is it a slower game? And if that's the case, then it is to, to Cal's advantage and Nevada's disadvantage because Nevada's not nearly as good defensively. Not a bad team, but not nearly as good defensively as it is offensively. This is going to be a really fun offense this year. Well, I mean, let's take a step back and look at the, the big picture. How has the Nevada fan base and you know Nevada fans taken to Norvell and, and what he's trying to do with that program? Yeah. Some additional con. So this is Jay's fifth year, I believe. And he stepped when he became the head coach, he was replacing a head coach who was wildly unpopular. Brian Polian, who's now the special teams coordinator at Notre Dame. He just did not connect with the community at all. It's a small community. Right. And he just didn't get out there very much. He was always yelling. And it like any sports coach, it just comes down to are you winning or you're not. And he, you know, he would go seven and five. He'd go to a bowl game. I mean, that's fine. It's not like Nevada has a very storied um, history, but you know you want to win some bowl games, and seven five isn't going to put butts in seats. And so, anyone would have been a breath of fresh air after Brian Pullen. I mean, the school did like a PR firm or PR run for him his last year, where it's kind of funny. Where I mean, he would never come on my radio show, and now he's coming on. He's got. Nevada staffers with them, like, look how he's out in the community and engaging. And I was like, we all know what's going on right now. So when, when Jay came in, he's high energy. He plays a fun brand of football. He's authentic, very engaging with, with the community. And he went three and nine his first year. And people were like, you know, it's your first year. You're taking over a new program. He has a crazy coaching history in the NFL and the college ranks and mm-hmm. took him Anyone will tell you way too long to get his first head coaching job. And now he's really maximized that and kind of grabbed that by the horns and look at what, what he's got now. And Nevada fans are, have gotten used to it, just kind of the way it is when you're a program like Nevada is you start getting success, you start having some fun, and then you start worrying about how long it's going to be until someone takes your head coach. Uh, with, with basketball, it was Eric Musselman, who's now at Arkansas. He flirted with Cal for, yep. for a little bit. And so that was a relief when he stayed, stayed, stayed warmer a year. So th- there is, I don't want to call it a love affair. That might be a little bit strong, but there is a strong appreciation for Jay. And there, you're always going to have some in the fan base who are just going to go bonkers for no reason, who are going to be unreasonable. He lost a couple games <clears throat> in a row to UNLV. Nevada's obviously in-state rival. That game gets people obviously fired up, and UNLV is not good at all, has not been and lost a couple games as pretty significant upsets. And so you had those people saying, all right, we need to make a change, which was completely, again, unrealistic, um, given kind of where Nevada is from how they invest in the program, investment or funding pretty strapped at, at a school like Nevada. So Jay is, Jay is loved in, in Reno for sure. I don't know, again, love affair might be strong, but people want him to stick around. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers, uh, the S&P Plus numbers for Nevada this year, 74 Overall rank is 74, offense 70, defense 83. Is that mm-hmm. is that just about what you kind of expected? Like, is it higher? Is it lower? Like, where yeah. is, where do the numbers speak to you? I'll start on the defensive side of the ball. 
defense has been a struggle for Nevada over really the last decade. And before the last season, Jay Norhill fired Jeff Castile, pretty recognizable name uh, for those who are follow co- football coaching, <laughs> familiar with those circles, and replaced him with Brian Ward, who was formerly the defensive coordinator at Syracuse, had a couple of good years though that, there, and then had a really bad year, got fired in the middle of the year. And Nevada had one of its best years statistically in a long, long time last year in terms of points per game average. I can't remember exactly what the number was, but it was, I want to say like 25 to 20. I mean, somewhere right around there. And so you just give it the S&P number there in the 80s. I mean, sure. I mean, that, that, that sounds fine to me. Um, they didn't force a lot of turnovers last year. They didn't really get after the quarterback. And those are two big things for them this year. They're hoping they can turn the corner. Like every team pretty much in college football, they have basically everyone back. So you're feeling pretty good, but maybe some of those, some of those numbers can grow. Offensively, I'm a little surprised to hear it in the 70s, just given what this offense was last year and what they have coming back. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Carson. He's getting a lot of a lot of love as a you know potential first round draft pick. There's been a couple who've gone so far to project him as number one overall in make of what you will. You know, mock drafts at this point in the year, you're just trying to get people to click on those things, so you'll you'll put some stuff out there. Yep. But you got pro. I mean, you definitely have one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country, and that's not hyperbole. You have Romeo Dubs, who went bonkers last year. Him and him and Carson on the deep ball were ridiculous. They're roommates. They're really good friends. Um, you have Elijah Cooks, who was the team's best offensive player in 2019. He got hurt in the first half of last season, or his first half playing last season. Missed the whole year. He's back this year. You have Cole Turner, who also is an NFL prospect at tight end. He's 6'6", 240 pounds. He's a big body. He is just a matchup nightmare. I mean, they'll, they'll put him outside and they'll run goal line fades with them. And I joked about this also in my Q&A. I generally hate goal line fades. And Cole single-handedly made me change that opinion, at least for now. We'll wait and see what happens this year if they're as effective with it. But it was it was like automatic. It was like you just run the goal line fade to Carson. It's going to happen. He had nine touchdowns last year in nine games. Then you have a bunch of other guys as well. I and mean, you have Torrey Horton, who really emerged last year as a as a freshman or as a sophomore. Excuse me. You have Jamal Bell, who's really quick, really dangerous in the underneath routes. I think he's going to be a name to watch along with Melquan Stovall. It's just so many weapons for Carson to throw to. I think Phil Steele has us ranked the number 10 uh, mm-hmm. receiving group in the, in the country. And then you throw in the, f- the fact that you have a first-round potential quarterback. You have Matt Mummy, who is the son of Hal Mummy, who is the founder of the Air Raid offense, yep. kind of running the whole thing. So it's a lot to be excited about with, with this Nevada offense, for sure. I mean, as a Cal fan, right, if we, if we go back, you know, a, a few years – Having there's there's a lot of similarities the last time we played Nevada at home, right? The last time we played Nevada at home at, in a season opener, the season before we didn't have any home fans because we were getting our stadium renovated. Wow! Last season we didn't have any fans in the stadium. We have a running back with the last name Tawa, <laughs> and we have a yep. quarterback who is being touted as a first round draft pick. Yep. It is. It's nightmares. <laughs> it's nightmares uh, to us. Do you see? Do you see a lot of? Do you see any similarities between those Kaepernick days? And do you kind of maybe see the game playing out in a little bit of that fashion, where we just don't know who to. From a defensive standpoint, for us, it's, it's yeah. how the hell do we who do who do we guard? Who do we yeah. put, who do we put one on one? Well, I, I would say right off the bat, one of the bigger differences would be if you look at the quarterback spot. Cap obviously was an unbelievable dual threat quarterback. Carson is not that. Um, one of the one of the questions with him. Um, he has a 
basically a recurring issue with his knee. He gets lesions and he had to get surgery in high school. He had to miss his whole senior year and basically has to get work done on it every couple of years because it like builds up and then you got to get it taken care of. And he had to get it taken care of after this last uh, his last season. He missed all of spring ball. He missed a fair amount of fall camp. You're not going to see him running all over the place on Saturday. So that would be a big difference. Um, the pictures of that win at Memorial have been just flooding my Twitter timeline uh, le- leading up to this game. And generally speaking, Nevada fans are coming this one pretty confident, feeling pretty good about things. I mean, it's, it's a road team versus a Pac-12 school. I mean, you'd, I think getting overconfident as a group of five schools, maybe a little bit getting ahead of ourselves. Um, and I, I mean, that was before that was before I started covering the team. But I know my brother, who is one of my co-hosts on the who is my co-host on the podcast, he went to Nevada. He was at that game. And oh. you ask a lot of Nevada fans, like, what was one of your favorite games? A lot of people go to that game because that was after the renovations. It's a big deal for Cal. And you go on the road and you win a, a road game where it's a Pac-12 or at that point, Pac-10 school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be pretty excited. People also go to the bowl game over Boston College in 2010. That was the year they beat Boise when Boise was number three and hoping to go to the BCS title game. So there's, I mean, every fan base is going to have their games, but the win at Cal that year was absolutely one a lot of fans remember of like that was an awesome, awesome game. And I think that's part of the reason fans are excited for this one is they're thinking, we did it then, we'll do it again. And it's part of it because it's a really fun, anticipated year. Oh, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. I think, I mean, if I was a Nevada fan, why wouldn't I be celebrating that that win like leading up to this game, right? I'd be plastering yep. it all over my wall. And, and if I if I knew any Cal <laughs> fans, like I would be shoving it in their faces. Uh, <laughs> Just the the nightmares I have of like that game. I I don't think I've ever watched the highlights from that game after I was at that game. Like, so were you just, at it? You were at it. I was at that game. And I just I I don't think I could ever that image of yeah. I can't get it out of my head, and so I don't need to relive it by watching the highlights. I think but, I think it was a thirty-one twenty-four score. I think I think I mentioned that and. Yep. Not an unrealistic <laughs> score for for this one. I think Cal's favored by three three and a yep. half points. Yep. Yeah, it's a three point three point spread. It's gonna be I yeah, I think it's gonna be a close one. I mean Vegas nailed what the, the Illinois Nebraska game on the head. It was like a the over under was set at fifty two and a half, and I think the score was fifty two. Like that's yeah, that's it, it came impressive. down to it came down to a missed PAT. Yeah, exactly. Nebraska missed a PAT. That was always an eight point game instead of a seven point game. Yeah. I got it early. I because we we do bets of the weekend every week uh-huh. on the podcast, and we have a professional handicapper who comes on as well and give give some picks out. So for those of you listening in Berkeley and you want to get get involved, head, head on over. His name's Lee Sterling, founder of Paramount Sports. Really, really fun. But I got it the under at fifty five, and I, I was I was feeling pretty good uh-huh. going into that. I mean, first game of the year, Big Ten, nine o'clock, yeah. two shitty teams. Are you serious? It's going under. And there's a couple crazy plays in there, and then of course the line moves, and it comes down to college kickers at the end, which was just just beautiful. Oh. Uh. The beauty of college football, the, the absolute <laughs> beauty of college football. All right, let's stick. Let's stick with the offense a little bit. Um, my first question for you is because we stole one of your coaches a couple of years back. We took we took Angus McClure off of yep. off of that staff. Yep. What was what was your take on not the move, but how he did as an offensive line coach in? I believe he was there what two three two years. Two or three years. Um, yeah. It wasn't there super long, but I mean, it's kind of called it's long when it comes to Division One college coaches. Mm-hmm. The offensive line has, has a pretty story tradition, actually, at Nevada. It's called the Union. They take a lot of pride in, in the offensive line, and candidly, they haven't been very good 
for for a while. It's starting to change a little bit. It was only, I believe, Angus was there when Nevada had, maybe it was the year before he got there. Nevada had, that's on the defense side of the ball, the worst worst rush defense in, in the entire country. Obviously, he's offensive line. So the offensive line wasn't great. It was like him leaving from a scheme perspective wasn't a huge blow what the, what the blow was was that he's so well connected to that community in northern nevada mm-hmm. or northern california excuse me and that is a pipeline for nevada carson strong is yep. a guy from northern california so that that's an area they recruit hard and they've been able to kind of pick up the pieces here and continue to recruit well and they hit the transfer market pretty hard uh th- this offseason brought in some power five guys so from a, a scheme perspective i wouldn't say it was a huge blow but from a locker room perspective i know he's a beloved coach and beloved personality and from a recruiting perspective uh, that's where that one stung a little bit more mm. we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, moving on from that, we got we talked about the wide receivers. I guess we mm-hmm. we got to talk about Carson Strong, and then you know we'll we'll talk about the run game a little bit. So let's yep. let's uh let's talk about the run game because Carson Strong's the big one we got to talk about. Um, yep. What's your predict or what are your takes on the the Nevada run game for the, the for the run game? So obviously you have. Not the whole offensive line back. There was this left guard. I can't remember. But four of the five starters are back this year. They, they went from, I believe it's 3.8 yards per carry to 4.3, 4.4 yards per carry last year. So it certainly got better. Um, the the key thing to know about the, the run game at Nevada is they use two running backs. When you really see three, Avery Morrow was pretty impressive as a freshman last year. Then had uh, banged up his knee, had surgery as well. So they'll use him sparingly. But it's really a two-headed monster is a cliche but you have Toa Tawa you mentioned his brother who's now the running back coach at Nevada so still two Tawas on the sideline <laughs> Toa is you know they're listed as or on the on the two deep as who's the starter but Toa is the starter then Devontae Lee is the backup and Devontae Lee if someone wants to just have some fun type in Devontae Lee high school highlight film and he played for a small school like Oklahoma, and he's a big dude. He's listed at 5'9", 235. He's a bowling ball. Ooh. And he was just running over these kids in Oklahoma. It's pretty <laughs> funny. So check it out. So Toa is the, the better ball. He's the better uh, receiving back. Um, he's a little bit quicker. Devontae, not quite as quick, but he's for as big as he is, you get him running a straight line, he, he can get moving, and he'll run over some people. No, Nevada likes to run or Jay Norvell and Matt Mummy like to run, and it drives me insane. It drives a lot of fan base insane. They'll, they'll run the Wildcat in short yardage with Devontae, and no one can stand it because it's like, I wonder what they're going to do here. 
Oh, they're gonna run off guard. Wow, no <laughs> way they could scheme for that. And so that there, there was a, I forget which game it was last year. They get down to the goal line. It might have been the San Diego State game. They ended up winning that game. First and goal from the one they won the Wildcat four times, gets stuffed four times. And I was like, burn that play forever. And so we've joked in the podcast this week, how many times they're going to run the Wildcat with Devontae Lee? And I'm hoping under one and a half. I'm hoping under one and a half. So the ground game, it's not going to scare anyone. I think they were number eight in the Mountain West last year in terms of uh, yards per game rushing. Part of that is how, how well they, they throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So Nevada's not going to beat any team because or many teams because they're running the ball this year. They hope you're just the hope is they're just effective enough to try to keep teams honest to some extent. They're not going to be putting eight in the box, but if you can get you know the safety coming down at some point and try to open something up down the field for for Romeo or any of the other toys that Carson has to play with, that really is going to be the idea. They run more than you would think. So you got an air raid, air raid offense or air. Fa- air raid offensive schemes but it's not a true air raid offense they they will still run the ball a fair amount they're not going to throw the ball three times and then hopefully pick up 10 yards so they'll run more than you think but it's definitely not the strength of this offense okay well i guess then we have to start talking about the pass game right we got to talk about carson (laughs) strong here um your initial takes on like all the love that he's getting this this offseason like i feel like he's one of those names that just kind of popped up like leading the like few like a month or so like yep. leading into the season right he's not like the Spencer Rattlers or the Sam Howells right. that everyone's been talking about over the last like three four months. You know it's it's funny you say that I just had a buddy text me um, for those who subscribe to the Athletic the Athletic just wrote a really cool piece on Carson so for yeah. those who want to go check that out go check it out and I, I said exactly it's crazy how much his name has blown up over the course of the last you know six to eight ten months here. I remember when he committed to Nevada, and I remember, sometimes you go to their Twitter account, like, hey, see, what's going on here? Are they that type of recruit? Is someone really under the radar? And it's weird how the brain works. You're like, oh, they only have 300 followers. They must suck. But like, <laughs> this is, these guys are just marketers now, basically, these recruits who are trying to get noticed, so it doesn't really carry that much water. But he was at that time, I, I still don't think he's, I know he's not very active on social media now, but I remember seeing the name, like Carson Strong, that's a cool name, like, yeah. like, like a cool quarterback name. And from, from Vacaville, strong pipeline there. Our kicker, Brandon Talton, also from, from Vacaville. And didn't make a ton of it, but you look at his friend. He was 6'4 in high school. He was, he was 6'4. He missed his senior year. He didn't really know what to expect. He redshirted his first year in 2018. And then in 2019, for those who watched Last Chance U, remember, remember the name Malik Henry. Uh, Malik Henry was at Nevada at that point. And it was kind. Of, it was a, a three-way competition for the job at that point. And the, the general consensus was it was, was going to be Malik or it was going to be Carson. I'm trying to remember who the third one. I can't remember at this point. So my apologies. Uh, but Carson ends up winning the job. There was the Purdue game. Some people may remember that 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 game. Nevada won at Mackey. Brandon Salton at that point, a freshman walk-on kicker who no one had ever heard of, hits a 56-yarder at the gun to win that one 34-31. He gets a scholarship that night, and it really was kind of a fairy tale kind mm-hmm. of story. And here's me talking about kickers when you're asking me about Carson. <laughs> so it's been a fun progression to watch Carson come along. Got banged up his first year. Last year, he explodes onto the scene, and I think it just makes sense that he's starting to get some of the attention. 6'4", he's very cerebral. He's got a hand cannon. He's it, it, Granted, this scheme does accentuate his talents, 
But, I mean, given how important that position is, I mean, we'll see what happens because now with the way NFL is going now, it, how important it is to be to be mobile. And you're seeing some of the guys who really succeed are guys who can move the pocket, who can be a threat with their legs, and Carson's just not that. So he has to be even more cerebral and even more accurate and have an even stronger arm. So you just you don't see it a lot at, at Nevada where you have, a, especially at a quarterback, someone jump up to the first round. That is the position that tends to happen. But, I mean, Nevada hasn't had, I think it's one, has had one player drafted in the last handful of years. It's been a while since they've had someone drafted. And now they're in a position where they're going to have potentially three, maybe four guys drafted next year. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at you know Carson's stats from from 2019, and I mean, three touchdowns in that first game against Purdue, another two against New Mexico, three against Fresno State, uh, one against UNLV, um, and then I believe it's a bowl game against Ohio. He threw a touchdown. Yep. Um, yep. Like his in terms of his progression, like I I mean that Purdue game, he just he. Exp- just announced himself to the world a little bit. Yes. Uh, and then comes back down to earth a little bit against Oregon, 89 <laughs> passing yards, uh, 52% completion rate and two interceptions. Yep. Not the, not the best of, uh, not the best of performances, but do you think that like that he had, I think f- a four game stretch there where he didn't throw an, uh, a single touchdown pass. And then all of a sudden he starts to build up his touchdown passes again. Yep. Was that kind of like the the inflection point of his, like his college career, like where he maybe he started to to understand a little bit better? I mean, I don't. You could probably look, statistically you could look back and you could certainly make that argument. You know, mm-hmm. when, when the season ended, we were all in the way that Carson finished the year. Yeah, there was definitely a feeling of okay, next year might be fun. Like he really is, thinks some, something's really started to click for him. He did. I mean, I, I mean. I, at that athletic piece for anyone who wants to check it out he yeah. did break his collarbone in that purdue game that went undiagnosed oh. for a few weeks and so he was banged up at oregon mm-hmm. came off the field at oregon he was so he was fighting injuries wasn't playing well then they sat him for a few weeks and then he came back and then you, you see the numbers really start to go i think he had eight touchdowns and a pick over the final five games something like that yeah and that had you feeling really good going into last year and then you see what happened last year. I mean, I think it was 27 touchdowns to, to four picks. He completed, I think, 72% of his passes, and he's he's eyeing 80% this yeah. year is, is a goal he has for himself, which is kind of crazy given that he throws the ball deep a lot. That was a that was also a huge progression in his game. His first year had guys open, was just overthrowing guys. 
just just overthrow. It wasn't underthrown, but overthrowing guys. Something he worked on a lot. And the stat I plucked because I knew it may came up. He completed nine passes last year of forty or more yards. That was tied for third nationally. So he, he's certainly improved his touch on the deep ball, and a reason that he's getting as much love as he is at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely slightly afraid. Um, I can't. I, I I have to be a little bit optimistic. We haven't even played our first game of the season, but uh, <laughs> I, I would. I'm gonna say I'm I'm still slightly afraid. Like I'm looking at his stats from last season because. So, the, so here's the thing for me, right? Last season, we only played four games. Yep. And I've seen some Nevada sides being like, ha, they suck. They lost three games and only won one out of their four games they played. Last year last year for the Pac-12 was a complete wash. Yeah. I it's I don't I, So I don't know how you can judge off of four games, especially the one of the losses being a game that was rescheduled within 48 hours. So, yeah. um, but I mean, you guys, Nevada actually played a, a an actually full nine-game season, or decently full nine-game season. Yeah. And this guy throws four touchdowns, then two, then three, then three, then two, then two, and then five against Fresno State, yeah. and then five against Tulane to end the year. Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, throwing throwing the ball around a lot. And so I'll, let's flip it to the other side. We talked about Carson Strong. Mm-hmm. From what you've seen, how does, how does that scheme match up against Cal's defense – um, and what you know of Cal's defense. In terms of like what Nevada's offense is going to do against Cal's defense? Yeah, like, all right, let me, let me pose the question. Let me pose the question better. Um, where is Cal or where is Cal's defense going to falter the most against this Nevada team? Or where is Nevada's offense, yeah. you think, going to be the most successful against this Cal defense? Yeah. I think that's what's going to decide this game is, I mean, that that's the matchup is this mm-hmm. passing attack versus Cal's secondary. I mean that that that's strength on strength. I mean, because again, if if Nevada is able to pick up some chunk plays, get up and down the field, put some points up on the board, especially early, mm-hmm. and then force Chase Garbers to kind of maybe try, try to start forcing the ball down the field, I mean that plays into Nevada's hands. That's what Nevada wants to do. So that's the matchup I'm watching in this game is obviously the Cal secondary versus Nevada's receivers in, in this passing game. You mentioned a lot of Carson stats last year. Not like you. I mean college quarterback football I mean yeah not like he's bulletproof I mean there were certainly some games last year the Hawaii game last year it was a perfect storm it was Nevada was undefeated going to Hawaii is always a pain the game's gonna start at eight o'clock our time here on the west coast it's gonna you don't you ever know about the officiating and Hawaii just is such a better team at home down the road and Hawaii's out of nowhere grew a defense last year and they have, they have a really good secondary and Nevada put up 21 points and I lost that game 24-21 and if I'm any team playing Nevada the rest of the way last year or this year I'm pulling up that game film and just be like what do we do what, what, what did Hawaii do and what Hawaii did was they were willing to let Nevada run the ball I think Nevada averaged like six yards a carry in that game and Cal's uh, front at least the defensive line is supposed to be a little better this year but they're gonna give up some yards on the ground and if I'm Cal so I'm gonna do right, we'll let you run we'll let you r- run some clock we're going to let you have to really work and earn these possessions. We're not going to give up chunk plays, and we're, we're going to make you earn it. And I think that's what Cal, I, I would guess, what they're going to try to do here. Obviously, you're not going to want to give up 40-yard bombs to <laughs> Romeo Dubs every, every other play. So in terms of where I see one succeeding or one faltering, I mean, that's why the spread is three points. Mm-hmm. It, I, like I'm, I'm not anticipating going and leaving the game Saturday and being like, wow, Cal's secondary totally dominated Nevada. <laughs> Nevada's going to get its plays. But I'm not expecting Nevada to come out and – completely dominate Cal secondary and Carson to throw for 350 yards and five touchdowns. That's not going to happen. Okay. 
Uh, let's talk about the other side of the ball for a little bit. Let's talk about Nevada's defense. Um, who are some guys on this defense? I mean, of course, we talked about Carson Strong so much and, and Tawa and, and Dobbs on, on the offense. Who are some guys on the defense that Cal fans that are watching should be keeping an eye on? And, you know, if, if you're if you're the Cal offensive coordinator, like this is who you want to avoid. This is yeah. where we're moving our offense away from. Yeah. The, the real kind of bugaboo, if you will, um, for Nevada secondary has been certainly through the air um, over the last few years. And now they have everyone back. Uh, Bentley San- Sanders transferred in from from USF. He's projected to start at nickel. They're hoping he, c- he can make a splash, get a couple. Uh, their best corner is, is Burdale Robbins. He's, he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, they got a safety in Tyson Williams who will get beat through the air. He's a really good run blocker, though. He's a big hitter. Um, and being you know a Seattle sports fan, I'm always going to appreciate a hard-hitting safety on my Cam <laughs> Cancer jersey in the, in the closet. So... That's where the, this team has been more vulnerable in the past. They've gotten much better against the run over, over the last few years. I mean, a name to certainly keep an eye on is Dom Peterson. He's been there a few years now. Uh, he's a senior. If he was just a couple inches taller, he'd be a legit NFL prospect as well. He may still get, um, you know, he'll get some looks for sure. And if, if all goes well for him, you know, maybe he, he hears, his name, hears his name called on the third day. But he's probably someone who's for sure going to be a fringe undrafted free agent signing at six feet he was a defensive end they moved him inside to defensive tackle and he's, he can be a game record i mean there, there's some games where he just takes over um he, he's that talented um sam hammond is a local kid big kid 6'5 265 defensive end went to a really small high school in northern nevada yearington and was a walk-on and then just put a ton of weight on and has become one of the impact guys on this defense so the defensive line probably the strength of this defense at the second level Lawson Hall who is a fan favorite he was someone who also came to the program very unheralded worked his way up and is now probably the vote one of the vocal leaders of this group he's not I mean he's not gonna like he's been on the podcast before and you know what it's like interviewing some athletes I'm Mm -hmm. sure you don't typically don't get a lot out of them but just really down to earth easy to root for and wears really cool stir up socks That'll be a, hopefully I'll get a tweet out a few different times. This is a Lawson Hall sock appreciation tweet. Um, so I kind of went through went through all three levels. So secondary has been vulnerable in the past. Defensive line getting a lot better, and certainly some names who have been there for a while uh, at the second level. I mean, those are a lot of names to go through, uh, but I, I think I have a better gauge of how I need to watch Nevada come Saturday night. <laughs> um, Perfect. Couple couple last remaining questions for you. Uh, we talked a lot about a, a lot about the players. Who's who do you think is the one guy, or you know, you pick one offensive guy, one defensive guy that's going to be mm-hmm. the game breaker for this game. I'm not going to go to offense or defense. Ooh. I'm going to go. I'm going to go special teams here. Ooh. Um, I did this in the in the Q and A th- thing as well. If this game goes the way that I think it's going to go, I don't think it's going to get in the 30s. I think we're going to we're going to this game's going to end up in the 20s. Mm-hmm. That means that would suggest a slower game. It would suggest field position. And Nevada has a really good punter. Uh, Julian Diaz, I mean, back to my sports writing days, I used to make a lot of jokes, get all worked up about like the all all league, all conference teams, how political it is and how stupid it can be at times. Julian Diaz led the Mountain West last year in yards per punt, in net. I think he was right up there with hang time as well. And for, somehow he ends up on the third team. Like you look at all the metrics, I, I don't understand how that happens. He had one touchback last year, one in, in, in nine games. He's a really good punter. 
and usually you go into a really important game like this and you're, you're not looking to the punter, but he is a weapon that people may forget about. And if you're in a low-scoring game, field position will matter. It is going to make a difference if you can pin some at the 5 versus set him up at the 20 because you're hoping to get three and out and then get the ball back at midfield now. Now you'll need a couple first downs and you're kicking a Brandon Salton field goal. So for Julie, I'm going to go to Julian Diaz. One, just be contrarian and be a little bit different. But two, he is a legit weapon uh, for this team, especially in a game that might have a slower game flow. I swear I did not plan this. Like we 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 put out this we put out our prediction pod yesterday, and in the prediction pod, if you haven't listened to it, uh, if you're listening to this, go listen to it. Andy, one of Andy's predictions is that our punter is going to win us a game this season. <laughs> <laughs> and in back to back episodes, we're talking about punters <laughs> being the game breakers to a, a college football game. Man, so, not- somewhere somewhere Pat McAfee smiles for the for the brand. <laughs> He does. He does. Maybe we'll have to send this to Pat McAfee. Look, back-to-back <laughs> episodes, we talked about punters. We talked about punters. Punters are people, too. I was. I, I played baseball in college, and I was a pitcher, and we just say it all the time. Not pitchers are people, pitchers are athletes. And I know that special teams guys do the same thing. Special teams guys tend to be a little bit weird, and pitchers are the same way. So I think I always will have a bit of affinity for special teams guys. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, um... I guess I guess I'm gonna watch for the punter now. I'm gonna watch. Yep. I'm gonna watch for. It's the battle between Jamison Sheehan and Julian Diaz. That's the real <laughs> matchup that everyone's here to watch. I'll get the game to my balls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's all the questions I have for for you, Nathan. Uh, the one to end on your score prediction for the game. Happy to give it. Um, so, again, some quick context here. On the podcast, I typically take more of a cerebral, analytical look at mm. games. And my brother is just the unapologetic homer. And so he will always pick Nevada to win every game. And I always give him shit for it. Because I'm like, you think people really want to come on and just hear you wave the Nevada flag the whole time? Or do you think they actually want you to share what you actually think? Because not every fan thinks Nevada honestly is going to win every single game. And that's kind of the fun back and forth we have. Right. I picked in this game, I picked a 27-23 final, and I picked Cal to win. And I will say that I picked um, Nevada to finish the year 10-2, and 7-1 um, in Mountain's play. I had this being one of the losses. I think the fact that Carson missed a lot of fall camp is a factor. Yes, he's mm-hmm. a veteran. Yes, he knows the offense. Yes, he has rapport and chemistry with his, especially his guys he's throwing to. And I forgot to mention Cole Turner tight end is also one of his roommates so that house it's Carson Strong Cole Turner Romeo Dubs I mean the chance they all three get drafted kind of wild so that is a factor but offenses typically aren't always going to hit on all all cylinders right off the bat Mm -hmm. and especially the fact they're going on the road especially the fact they're playing the Pac-12 team that has a pretty good defense that gives me some pause heading into this one if Nevada wins I'm not going to be completely shocked oh my god I can't believe they won that game I just think this leans a little bit more towards Cal. I also, our listeners will say I'm, I'm more skeptical most of the time. So uh, we'll see. I'm very confident it's going to be a fun game. And regardless, I'm excited we got football going on. Last year was a disaster. We're, we're, I'm, I'm talking with you. We're previewing a game. It just, it just feels right. I'm glad to have football season back. It is. It is. Finally, some sense of normalcy with football actually coming back. Yep. Well, Nathan, I appreciate the time. Um, that's of course Nathan from the Reno Slant. Where can they? Where, where can the fine Cal fans find you uh, on the Twitter verses or elsewhere? 
Yeah, exactly. One thing I know about Cal fans is they really care about what's going on up in Reno following the Nevada Wolfpack, but I'm happy to provide uh, some, some details here. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll obviously be live tweeting the game on Saturday. So if you want to see kind of a Nevada perspective or a Nevada hater perspective from some <laughs> of our listeners, uh, you can check that out. It's Shaup Nathan. So S-H-O-U-P, Shout with the P. Nathan, if you want to check out the podcast, I mean, you can find us everywhere you listen to this podcast. Just type in the Reno Slant. It'll pop up. If you want to check out our website, we have a lot of preview stuff for this game uh, leading up to Saturday. Just go to the renoslant.com. You'll see Nevada Cal previews, game by game predictions. You can listen to our preview of this game. Um, and that was all this week. That pod dropped uh, last night, Wednesday night. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, Nathan, for joining us on the pod for this preview episode. And for the rest of the Cal fans everywhere, as always, go Bears. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.